Well, hot dang, John Allenthal. It's Kurt Schneider, and I am so excited because this episode of Smart Dribble, we're going to add on to what we did last week. We had so much fun with hoaxes. And by the way, people, this is not a hoax. We're going to talk about other hoaxes, and this is not a hoax talking about hoaxes. You're one of the (laughs) co-hoaxes. And I got stuck in a circular hoax there, so that's a problem. Hello, everybody. This is John Ellenthal. Last week, we talked about April Fool's jokes, some all-time great April Fool's jokes. The challenge is there are so many of them that we couldn't fit them into one episode. So Kurt and I are back for more. So Kurt... Tell me about an April Fool's joke that you were dying to get into last week's episode, but we just ran out of time. Well, John, I heard about this this past weekend because I've been watching the New York Knickerbockers, which is a basketball team. Thank you for that. And one of the greatest, most beloved Knicks of all time is Walt Clyde Frazier, who's also probably the coolest human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. So in the year 2000, I believe it was, Clyde was about 52. He'd been retired for close to 20 years at that point. Probably, yeah, a long time. And the Knicks decided to put out a release that they were going to sign Walt Frazier to a 10-day contract for the playoffs, that he was coming back out of retirement. And they got all these people in on it. They shot video of him working out in a Knicks uniform in the gym. They got one of the players on the Knicks who they said they were dropping in favor of Clyde to get all upset and say he did this interview saying he was hoping he'd get picked up by another team that the Knicks meet in the playoffs so that he can get his revenge. Fantastic. So many people fell for it. Hook, line, and three-point shot. It's got a mean quality to it for the poor guy who thought he was going to lose his position on the team. No, he was in on it, John. Oh, that's good, because otherwise that would have been seriously mean. Yeah, no, and he recorded it. But there have been some serious mean things like that in the past that people have done. But anyway, yes. So that was Walt Clyde Frazier pranking all of us Knicks fans. I have almost the exact same story, almost, although in a different milieu, which is one of your favorite words. So let me set the scene for you, Kurt. Ready. You ready? Okay, good. Ready. It's April 1st, 1992. April Fool's Day, Kurt. Yeah. NPR, National Public Radio, which is a radio station I'm sure you've spent a lot of time listening to. Love NPR, John. So Talk of the Nation, which was the show, comes on and there is an announcement that Richard M. Nixon is going to surprise everybody and run for president again. You might remember that Tricky Dick, he resigned from office back in 1973, or else he was going to get thrown out of office by Congress over the cover-up in the Watergate scandal. But he basically comes out and says, I'm running again. His new campaign slogan, Kurt, I didn't do anything wrong, and I won't do it again. So. It almost seems quaint by current standards. That was 40 years ago, 41 years ago, 1992. And they were like audio of a speech, him announcing his candidacy. Well, as it turned out, it was comedian and impersonator Rich Little, who was very talented, talented. pretending to be Nixon. And the whole thing was a hoax. 
But NPR actually announces that Nixon is running for president again. People flipped out. In a good way or a bad way? No, I think outrage is the kind of flip out we're talking. We're talking the interesting about. thing is 1992, that's the year the guy that got elected president then went on to have his own issue and get impeached. Well, it's also it's also the multi-century anniversary of when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Is <laughs> yes. what like the deca that what the mid-millennium, what do you call five centuries? Well, sesquicentennial is 150, so it's three sesquicentennials and a half. So multiply that by three and a third, and you got it. So three sesquicentennials and another and a third. Or three point. Three 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 sesquicentennials. Exactly. I don't know why I think of Puxatani Phil when I think when I hear a sesquicentennial, who I really want to call Puxatani Pete and have on this podcast, but apparently it's Phil. And I think of Sasquatch when I think of sesquicentennial, which makes me think of Yeti and what a wonderful job they did branding incredibly high-priced things that people really want. So here's the question for you, Nixon, 1992. And how long did it go on for? No, during later in the show, the host revealed that the whole thing oh. was, a, was a host. Well, so it was the second half of the show. I don't know how long the show was, though. So I can't tell you when the second half began. I do know that if you're walking in the forest, when you get halfway, the rest of the time you're walking out of the forest. And that was... Let me ask you okay, a question. Buddha. That was free Twitter. If, yes, it was. If six, but not pre-AOL though. So if it takes six men two hours to dig a hole, how long does it take to dig half a hole? There isn't such thing as half a hole, Jim. That's right. There's no such thing as half a hole. I got it. That was a trick question. April Fools, Let's go back to April Fools. This time I so, took us a little bit astray. But I just want to, okay, fine, okay. So those very funny Funny, you know, burlesque humor people at NPR. Yes, came up with a, burlesque. Another one a couple of years later. So in 2014, another, what, 24 years after their Richard Nixon, I guess they thought it was time to do something again. They had a Facebook page, of which they do NPR, and they shared a link. They didn't have the article. They shared a link to an article with the provocative title, Why Doesn't America Read Anymore? <laughs> the link generated hundreds of comments on Facebook, of course. This is why they don't read anymore, you know. I'm sure people were talking about the sin of smartphones, et cetera, et cetera. But what they didn't realize is all the people that posted comments didn't even click the link because had they clicked the link, it would have come to something that said, we sometimes get the sense that people are commenting on NPR stories that they haven't actually read. If you are reading this, please like this post and do not comment on it. Then let's see what people have to say about this story. Wow, well done. Well done. Well done, NPR. They do make a fair point, by the way. People have nonstop opinions, including some vociferous opinions for things that they probably don't know all that much about. In fact, you and I probably hold some deeply held positions and opinions about things that we're not terribly. Uh, I, yeah, I've said it before that I'm a headline guy, so I would have fallen for this. The problem is I've never been on Facebook, so I wouldn't have done this. But your I'm a Facebook head- ban hasn't been lifted by now. 
not only have I never been on Facebook, but I am a headline guy. So I frequently get in conversations where I say something that I read in the headline. And then when people, rightfully so, come back with a deeper comment about it or a rebound on it, I'm sort of stuck. That explains the bumper sticker on your car, 70 miles wide and an inch deep. Yeah. Well, what so is here's that? a great one. Yes. Here's a great one. I love this one. And I I totally could have fallen victim to this one had I been on this plane. Again, it's April 1st, 1992. The country has already been rocked by Nixon's return to the presidential campaign trail, which wasn't true, but it's the same day. So we've had two themes so far, April 1st, 1992 and NPR, but this is not an NPR story. So a bunch of airline passengers are on their descent into Los Angeles, so into LAX. They look out the window and there is an 85 foot long banner on the ground in 20 foot high red letters that reads, welcome to Chicago. <laughs> so, so these people are having these feelings of panic, which you and I would have had as well. Apparently, it, the whole sign was raised above the Hollywood Park racetrack, which was uh-huh. on the flight path for a ride. Yeah, it always is. And the park basically said, the park spokesman basically said, it was something we always wanted to do. We thought it would be kind of funny. And our new management thought it would be a great practical joke. So the sign was up for a couple of days. Welcome to Chicago in giant letters on the approach to LAX. Fantastic. I'm that sure that's great. been done many times where people change, you know, the uh, the sign, welcome to whatever is they're coming in and just get people. I love that. They should. I wish they had kept the joke going. And when, you know, the pilot should have said, OK, we're touching down in Chicago. But I guess that's probably against rules or something. I don't know. Anyway, that's Why? a good one. That's a good one. Let's hear it for Hollywood Park Racetrack, Kurt. Why is camp, sleepaway camp, so opportunistically ripe for practical jokes? Well, I think everybody's sort of in the mood. I mean, I think at camp, you're there to be playful and frolic and have fun. And you're under close quarters and you develop some really close relationships. And I'm sure you develop a bunch of things that annoy you about people. So I think a frolicking, playful mindset lack of physical space, and just the joy of summer. Well, <laughs> wow. Well, my camp, we had three that was got Was that us. rhetorical, by the way? Yes, it was. It was wonderful. You were, you were, you were waxing poetic. Now, was it a rhetorical question, though, about why people at camp? Or did you no. want an answer? I wanted an answer, and I got okay, one. Okay, so it wasn't rhetorical. Okay, good. No, no. Yours was whimsical and rhetorical in response. However... Feeling a bit whimsical today. Which is why being rhetorical in response is kind of a closed loop thing in and of itself. Anyway, anyway, at my camp, we just, we did a couple of things. One of them was called, you would go and you'd talk to someone and they'd look at you and they'd say, wait a second, were you swimming in the in the water in Lake Champlain? Yeah. They, were, they said, you got earlobes. You got Champlain lobes. What? So you, you got to go to the infirmary. So you'd go to the infirmary and the doctor was in on it. And he would paint iodine, remember iodine? Do. On your earlobes on both of them. And you were told to then go back out and come back in in three days. So for three days, a bunch of kids are walking around campus with uh, earlobes, with iodine on their earlobes. And the doctor was in on it? Yeah. 
Yeah, did yeah. He take, did he or she take the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm? <laughs> it was camp in the 70s, John. Okay, we got yeah, people were definitely more relaxed at this point. Today would probably result in a lawsuit. So there was that. There was also a camp. We were on Lake Champlain. So there was Champ, which was the Loch Ness Monster. But there was Champ, which was like a Loch Ness Monster. And you'd see it at night. And then the other thing they would do in the in the mess hall, which I'm sure you did at camp when you went or any place, People would take the salt and pepper and they would, you know, unscrew it. So the caps would come all off or they'd put a little bit of napkin in there into the salt up top and they'd pour pepper in it. So when you poured out salt, you get pepper anyway. Lots of ha ha ha. You said something about going to camp and you and I did not go to camp. I did. You and I were sent to camp. (laughs) There's a big difference, Kurt. So... You know what? You know what never happened at my summer camp? Tell me. This April is a good Fools. segue, John. April Fools, because it's in April and summer is doesn't started yet. But I'm going to give you another April Fools one in, in my great desire to stay in integrity with our title. Thank you. All right. So here's what you need to know first. It's April 1st, but not 1992. I'm diversifying. It's April 1st, 1878. This is a story about Thomas Edison, who one year earlier, 1877, had invented the phonograph. So Americans believed there were no limits to what this guy could invent. He was an American genius, could invent anything. So this publication called the New York Graphic basically announces that Edison has invented a brand new kind of machine. It's a food machine. It can transform soil directly into cereal and can take water and make it wine. So this whole Jesus complex here. Yeah. So right America's <laughs> great inventor, no limits on what he can invent, has figured out how to turn soil into cereal and water into wine. Well, newspapers throughout America, believing this was possible, pick it up and everyone is just throwing praise at this guy. Do we know how long it went on? You know what? I don't. I know that, as you pointed out, without Twitter and things, that's the kind of thing that could linger and languish and have long legs. Linger, languish, and long legs. Would you like to comment on my alliteration, Kurt? I think it would be appropriate. And that's like a three-bagger. Actually, it's four. Linger, languish, long legs. That's a four-bagger, Kurt. And you're going to say nothing. You're just going to sit there and say nothing, huh? Because I was trying to talk about your Thomas Edison thing, not about your alliteration. I know, but it just happened. Get okay. ready to react, Kurt. I think it's great. Alliteration is not that challenging, John. So, I mean, I, if you're looking for an attaboy, I'll give you the attaboy on that. I was just having a moment. I thought you'd share it, but apparently you're feeling like, you know, not right now. I wanted to talk about Thomas Edison because... I read this book, which was historical fiction, but it was supposed to be true about the last days of night. And it was the fight between Edison and Westinghouse with, of course, Tesla in there. But the more you read about Edison, A, they say he ripped off everyone else's inventions. B, he was a bit of an irascible sort. So I wonder why he decided to, well, you know what? He also had a huge ego. So maybe in Elon Musk-like fashion, he deigned to let this happen because it would only further propagate the the myth of Thomas Edison, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
All right. All right. Well, listen. Further propagate the myth. That's three for your alliteration right there, John. Further propagate the myth? Yes. And in which which words are uh, have the same letter as the others in sequence? In the upside down land. So just picking with the too good to be true theme, because you can see America's wanting water to turn into wine. In 1950, the country of Norway, as in the government, got in on the joke. And they decided to have- You want a government capable of pulling off a practical joke. That's the kind of government you want. And they decided to have fun with it. And these guys, in 1950, said that the Vinmonpelet, or the wine monopoly, which was the government-controlled wine, had too much wine, excess. And they- said, so the only way we can do it is to sell it for 75% off. You can get gallons and gallons of this delicious wine for 75% off. The only thing you have to do is you have to go to the Vin Monopolet building, where there were many of them, and bring a container because they didn't have, it was in these big, big casks. And so they weren't getting it in, in bottles. So people showed up, John, with Fish tanks with mini swimming pools with, you know, anything they could get their hands on, you know, great grandma's sewing bin because it had a, a, a container in it for wool that they could fill with wine. And it was all a joke. I got two questions. How did people react upon arriving with their empty vessels only to find out it was a joke? And two, was that government reelected? <laughs> By the way, the oh, that's Finland. She didn't get reelected recently. I do not know. That's all. I think that you know Norwegians are known to be the happiest people in the world. So they maybe, maybe they took it in stride. Exactly. Yeah. You know, do you know? Do you know how they got into the wine excess position in the first place? They were using Edison's machine that turns water into wine. Exactly. That's what created the ex- excess. So they really should blame Edison for that being a hoax. Do you so know? Last you, episode, Kurt. Wait, I just want to finish one thing. Do you know? Oh, sure. I, I've waxed poetic in previous episodes about Chateauneuf de Pop, my favorite wine. New House of the Pope. And uh, yes. And in every. Recognizing that the papacy temporarily moved to Avignon in the 13, 1400s. History boy. For a long time, it was like three or four popes, and the Pope, a lot of them were French popes. So this one French pope, I think it was Clement VI, he decided to spend all of the church's money on wine and the arts and he was got people to do paint paintings all over the place and music etc anyway in chatnaf put to pop to this day in august they have a festival to celebrate how juicy the grapes are at that point to begin the harvest and what they do is all the different vineyards or winemaking places there vintners pump their wine through the this pipe and it goes out of the fountain into the main square. You know what's different about that story and the story about Norway? This one's true. Exactly. And you Not stand in line. Fool's joke. This is a reality. Exactly. Anyway, go ahead. So in our last episode, Kurt, I mentioned, I think it was April Fool's 2012, that Cottonell took out a newspaper ad announcing that it had created a Toilet paper for left. 2015. People. Yes, exactly. Toilet paper for whom? For left-handed people. <laughs> yeah, right. Are you taking issue and saying it was 2015? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Okay, but you agree it was April Fools. <laughs> Great. Let's focus on our area of agreement. Well, in preparing for this episode, I figured out where Cottonell got the idea from. 
Tell me. April 1st, 1998, Burger King, full page ad, USA Today, introduction of a new menu item. Yes, it is the left-handed Whopper. (laughs) Specifically for the 32 million left-handed Americans. And the advertisement goes on to be specific as to what makes this Whopper different. All of the same ingredients. However, all of the condiments are rotated 180 degrees so that it's better for left-handed customers. (laughs) There's a postscript. The next day, Burger King issued a follow-up, basically saying the left-handed Whopper was a hoax. But despite that, thousands of people went into restaurants, Burger Kings around the country, to request the left-handed Whopper. And if that weren't enough, the right-handed people, who the world was built for, fortunately, you and I are right-handed, didn't like the idea that there was a left-handed Whopper and they could. So they actually went into Burger King's requesting a right-handed version of the Whopper. Little did they know that was the default Whopper. In any event, the left-handed Whopper followed um, either 14 or 17 years later by Cottonell for left-handed people. So by the way, that is Burger King. And it's poetic, right? You know why? I'm afraid to say why, but I'll say why. What's another word for like a big lie, a big hoax? When you a tell whopper. Me? There you go. Oh, that's a good one, Kurt. So, so every time you eat a whopper, if you're eating a lie, a yep. big lie, you're eating your words. I've had the impossible whopper, and I like it. I know you do. It pulls you off the off the road whenever you're anywhere near it. Whenever I'm within like a few mile vicinity, it has this strange gravitational pull. So In any event, let's stick with marketing and our good friends at Guinness. Do you like Guinness, John? I love Guinness, Kurt. All right, Guinness is good for you. Was the classic Guinness average. is good. In 1998. The day before April Fool's. Oh, my God. This is the day before Burger King ran its ad in the USA Today. All right. So this is like we should have done this in reverse order. In when? We should have done this in reverse order because you're now telling the story about the day before. Okay. told the story about. So there was an article that came out in the Financial Times, FT, to sort. Very credible financial newspaper. Okay. So there had been a press release from Guinness to the Financial Times that was supposed to get there on April 1st, got there the day before, and a press release detailed an agreement, and Financial Times wrote an article about it, that the old Royal Observatory in Greenwich, England, and the Guinness Brewery had struck a deal where Guinness would be declared the official beer sponsor of the observatory's Millennium Celebration. So Greenwich Mean Time would be renamed Guinness Mean Time. And instead of counting seconds in pips, as was traditional, the observatory would count them in pint drips. (laughs) The Financial Times editorialized and said that the deal marked a new low in corporate marketing and set a brash tone for the millennium. But they didn't realize they had fallen for a joke that the press release was supposed to be for April 1st. So... They then wrote an article and said, oh, sorry, we didn't mean what we said. Apparently, this was intended as part of an April Fool spoof. So they got the Financial Times 
Wow. I think one of the most important ingredients in a great April Fool's hoax is that it take place on April Fool's Day. You think so? I don't know. I think that's even funnier when it takes place. I think once you leave the confines, the, the people receive this information with a little like when you try to pull an April Fool's joke on someone these days, there's some sort of readiness for it where and there's also more acceptance of it if you get them. Well, so I'm actually okay in the different time thing. In my fraternity, when I were at school, we had to spend the summer, one summer on campus. And therefore, we did a Christmas party in the summer, followed again a a week later by a New Year's party. That makes perfect sense because you celebrated April Fool's in the summer at camp. So you've been messed up the whole time. (laughs) Are you on the Julian calendar, the Gregorian calendar, or the Schneiderian calendar? I'm on the Schneiderian calendar, but I read the first headlines and I'm good to go. John, we need to wrap up. Give me some other fun hoaxes you found. All right. Actually, what I want to do is I want to I want to give some props to an organization that was a big part of our research here. There is actually a site called hoaxes.org. And it is hosted by the Museum of Hoaxes, which is a real live place <laughs> in San Diego, California. You need to go to San Diego, California to see the Museum of Hoaxes because they have cataloged and categorized a lot of the things we've been talking about. So thank you to them for their research. I bet you when you get there, the front door has a signed pole, but you really have to push. <laughs> You know what? That would be appropriate and it would set the right message. <laughs> All right. So, Kurt, do you have anything last last to share before we wrap up this here episode? Well, ThinkGeek, an online retailer in the year 2010, put out a product, canned unicorn meat. Oh, God, and, disgusting. Yes. And this of, this, of course, was a hoax. And some people fell for it. But what they decided to do when they were called on it was to actually sell it because people wanted it. But they would sell canned unicorn meat that looked like spam. But inside, they put a little stuffed unicorn. However, the good people of Germany did not get it and outlawed the selling of this product because the German equivalent of the FDA deemed unicorn meat to not be up to standards. And so they wouldn't let it be sold. Yeah, so unicorn meat in a spam-like can, and people bought it, and then were upset when it didn't arrive. What did you do with the horn? Did that does that get ground up too in the uh, unicorn spam? spam? That gets sold in different countries as an aphrodisiac. Oh, excellent. All right, Kurt. Well, we have completed a rare smart drivel two-parter, and. Uh, Apparently, April Fool's is the gift that keeps on giving, especially since there's another April Fool's every every year. So thank you for the conversation. I hope our listeners enjoyed it. Kurt and I will be back next week with another episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Goodbye, everybody. Ciao, everyone. 